Hey, I'm Pastor Paul Watson, and you're listening to the official podcast of the Downtown Vineyard Church. At DTV Church, we're followers of Jesus, and we believe that relationships are holy and that God loves everyone. We are so excited that you're a part of our online community of faith, and from wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message this week. All right, good morning. You guys doing all right? Good, I'm going to just make a shout out real quick to one of my favorite pastors in the valley. Bob Clifford snuck in up here, and uh, I love Bob. Would you guys say hi to Bob for me? He's, uh, he's, him and I were on staff together for 15 years, and, uh, and, uh, and now we've become really great friends riding mountain bikes. Uh, last year, about this time, I was taking this trail, and I don't know if you figured this out about me. I, like, if, it, if you can't get hurt doing it, I kind of wonder why people would do those things. And so I'm chasing this kid named Stephen, and Stephen, you know Stephen from worship, and I'm chasing him, and he's super fast, and I come around this corner, and I should have, have you ever, you should have gone left, but you went right? I had a should have gone left, but I went right moment, and I come across this boulder field, and I like lock up in the middle of it, and it throws me, and it knocks me out, like cold, and who do I wake up to? Bob Clifford, prettiest face I've ever seen for a long time, beautiful face. Hey, we've got a couple things we're going to roll on this morning. We're going to be in James chapter 5. Before we get there, I'm just going to tell you about something we've got going on. We weren't really planning on this at the beginning of the year, and so I'm inviting you into something. Um, We have this little thing called the Cool Kids Club. Here's what that really is about. Um, Our air conditioner is going out on us. Uh, It's 41 years of age. We can't replace it, and they can't fix it. And so we found ourselves this year as a church... We don't have a huge budget as a church. We found ourselves in a position this year where we have to find $100,000. That's how much it costs to keep you guys cool. Like, that's a lot of money. And so uh, anyway, so we've, we're about $60,000 towards that goal. They're going to start working on that July f- or August 1st. And so I'm just saying, this wasn't something that was in our budget that we said, hey, would you be praying about this? We need, if, if we broke it down, we have about 300 families that call the Downtown Vineyard Church their home church. If every church, if uh, uh, we need about, um, about $30,000 left to, to reach the goal to replace that cooler. I'm just asking you, would your family be praying about giving towards that? If you do give towards that, the way that we're identifying it is we have these little blue envelopes, and you just, you make a note, and you let us know that you'd, you'd join us in that. It really was one of these things for us this year that we looked up with and went, okay, how do we make that work? Because that is beyond our ability to just go make that happen. And so I'm just saying, would you be praying about that as a gift over and above your weekly or monthly or or tithing and giving? Is that cool? Cool. All right. Now we can get to work. All right. Here's what we're going to do. I'm super pumped about today. I've enjoyed the book of James um, in, in, in a way that... In a way that it, it's one of these moments where you come to church and you don't get through the book of James and go, oh, that was nice. Golf clap. No, no. When you come in and you start reading the book of James, you leave church like, hey, why did he slap me? Why did he punch me in the face? Like, why? Like why? Because James literally is saying, he's, he's making this moment, he has this conversation And he's literally saying, if we were to take, we call it the book of James, but we really should just say, hey, here's how you live a life that honors God. Here's how it goes. Here's how it works out. And so James is 
He's the brother of Jesus. He's the first leader of the church, all right? We would say Jesus is the the father of the church, right? But he's the brother of Jesus, and so when Jesus um, ascends to heaven, everybody looks to him and goes, you're next, you're the leader. And so he becomes the first leader of the church. Um, of the of the church, and he begins to look up at the church and say, "Hey, we have some deficits. There's some things we need to work on." And there's this passage that I was been contemplating this week. It comes out of first uh, first second Timothy one five through six, and there's this moment. And this isn't just true for Timothy. This is true for everybody that places their faith in Jesus. There comes this moment in your faith where you're just tired, man. Like, you know you love Jesus, but life takes it out of you. People take it out of you. And you just are struggling to find your footing. And Paul writes to Timothy, who is the pastor that took over his church. And he says, Timothy, I need you to fan the flames of your faith. He says, he says it this way. He says, I remember your genuine faith. He says, Timothy, what happened to you? I remember this moment in your life when you were young and you gave your life to Christ and you were just so full of faith. And he says, he says remember, remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice. And what he's saying in this moment, he's saying, Timothy, remember that you come from people who have a long line of faith. When you grow tired in your faith, like hang on to your mama's faith, hang on to your grandmother's faith. And he says, and I know that the same faith continues strong in you. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gifts God gave you. When I laid my hands on you and I prayed for you, he said, there was this moment in our relationship with each other that God came in power I was praying for you, and you were a young man. And the Holy Spirit showed up in a way that was so powerful that I still remember it to this day. And he says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And today, as we go into baptism, like that is what excites me about baptism. When I watch other people get baptized, it just fans the, the, the story of my faith. And so I'm hoping that you stick around for that. But today we're going to talk about this moment that James covers. And he's talking about patience. He's talking about, like, patience. And so let me just ask you a question. How, how good or how well do you handle patience? Are you patient? Are you patient? On a scale of 1 to 10, are you, are you a solid 4? If, if I was to ask the person sitting next to you, what would they say? Because my guess is you rated yourself higher than you should have. Let's, let's play a little game. How well do you exhibit patience in traffic? Like, I, I go crazy in Grand Junction. I go nuts in Denver. Right? Okay, patience. Okay, like patience, okay? Um, do you have patience when you go into a restaurant and you're hungry and they're slow? And have you ever thought about this? They call them waiters, but you're the one waiting. Like, that doesn't make any sense. You're the waiter. 
You're the waiter, right? They're the server. Do you have patience with people who keep doing the same stupid behaviors over and over and over and over? I'm not going to look to this side of the room because I just saw a reaction that I'm going to try to ignore. Sorry, that was, uh, like, like, do you have patience with people? Like, they keep doing the same stupid thing over and over and over. And then there's nothing worse that drives me crazy. And then they say they're sorry every time. Well, if you're sorry, stop doing it. Amen, right? If you're sorry, stop doing it. They don't want, they don't want, want you to forgive them. They just, they just want you to keep ignoring it, right? Okay, so we're going to keep going. Do you have patience... This is the one that gets me, oh, my wife's in the room. I'm so embarrassed about this. Do you have patience when you either go to a doctor's office or an ER room? Put me in a doctor's office and forget I'm there for an hour and 15 minutes, and I lose my mind. Sorry, doctors, if there's a doctor in their house, I'm sorry. I got, like, patience. That, those are the places I kind of go crazy. All right, if you have roommates, I just don't, I don't even have to say any more than that. Like roommates, right? Roommates will just drive your, like, they will test your patience. Or how many of you have patience with coworkers? Oh, see, this is, the, this is the right place to ask. Oh, we got one person saying yes. Everybody else got real quiet on that one. Like, oh, what? I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. Don't, don't no. All right. Here's the one. Here's the one, okay? Because it's like when you're in church, right, they say, if they ask a question, all you have to do is say Jesus. Because Jesus is always the answer, right? And so then every pastor, when he's given a message, he has to throw in a Jesus question. So here's the question. Do you have patience with God's timing? Oh, did we all groan? <laughs> did, did you collectively hear the groan go across? Go, oh, oh, God's timing. I have patience with my roommates. I have patience with... Nobody groaned over traffic. Nobody groaned over doctors' waiting rooms. It's like God's timing. Oh, so horrible. Okay, here's why this is really funny. Because there's this thing that James does. Remember James came out and he talked to us about money last week? And, and then it's so funny that he takes, in, uh, right behind money, he talks about money. Right behind money, he talks about patience. Which I think is an interesting transition. As an as a author, as a, as a writer, as a, as a speaking uh, pastor, I think it's interesting that he came right out of, out of money and he went right into patience and God's timing. And then James does this thing in this passage we're going to see and he ties patience together and he gives us three views that we should look at when we're thinking about patience. He's going to talk to us about a farmer. He's going to talk to us about prophets. And then he's going to talk to us about this man named Job. And he's saying, he's saying, let me give you some examples of people who learned patience. And so then we're going to answer these three questions. And I've set this talk up completely different than I do most of my talks. We're going to look at three questions, and then we're going to answer them. The first question that we're going to look at is called, when patience is an act of faith. When is patience an act of faith? What should you do as you wait for God's timing? And then... When you're waiting, how do you wait? If you have your Bibles, let's look at James chapter 5. It just simply says this. Dear brothers and sisters, I love this. It just says, be patient. Thanks. Thanks, James. That was awesome. 
I needed that. Yeah. He said, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmer who patiently waits for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. He says, take courage for the Lord's is coming is near. He says, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For example, for the examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. And for instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. And then he says in verse 12, but most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just simply say yes or no so that you will not be condemned. And so there's this question that I said we're going to ask. The first question is just really simple. When is patience or when is my patience an act of faith. And James would say this. Patience is an act of faith when your circumstances are uncontrollable. That's when patience is an act of faith. How many of you guys have control issues? Come on, you can, you can raise your hand. Uh, the rest of you are lying because you were just trying to control the narrative. <laughs> like, I don't know, I'm not going to raise my hand. I, I don't have to do that. Like, Control issues, right? Like there's these control issues and we're trying to control the narrative and we try and control everything. And, and James is saying, you want to know when patience is an act of faith? It's when you can no longer control your circumstances. He says, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. He says, consider the farmer who patiently waits for the rains to fall in the fall and the spring. Here's what farmers know. They have no control over how many sunny days they're going to get. They have no control over how much it's going to rain across the year. They have no control over the, like, how, like if it's going to be an outbreak of grasshoppers or insects. They have no control over that. What they have control over is they have the ability to control how hard they work and their faithfulness. You know what you have control over? Your faithfulness. Just keep showing up. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Farmers know that worrying about things that you cannot control is actually dumb. Don't we all do that? We all worry about all these things that we can't control. And like, we like get super like just like excited about it. We get super nervous about it. We, we have all these emotions that are tied to things that literally you can't control. And farmers know like, why would I worry about that? I can't control how many days it's going to, how many sunny days we're going to have. Worrying about something you can't change is useless. And too often our worry is controlling, trying to control things that are useless. The farmer says, you should just patiently wait. And then James says it this way. He says, patience is an act of faith when the truth we know is unpopular to those around us. 
Isn't it amazing how often people get offended when people don't believe them? When people are trying to speak the truth, there's this really weird thing that um, happens with followers of Jesus. That we grow really impatient towards people when we're trying to teach them or tell them the truth and they ignore us. Isn't that frustrating? Like, we live in a world that has kind of lost its mind. Anybody want to say amen to that? Amen. Okay, we finally got an amen. I'm going to start using that line more often. Like, we live in this world that kind of has lost its mind. And if you're a believer in Jesus, and if, if you're really trying to live your faith out, which James is talking about, he's literally, he's saying, this is how a person lives their life. This is how a person honors God. This is what the book of James is. This is how a Christian honors God with their life. There is nothing more frustrating than looking at people you love, their life is going crazy, and you just keep saying, hey, have, honor God with your life. Don't do that. Don't do that. Like, like don't, that's going to ruin your life. And they look at you and go, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know that there was not one prophet that was honored while they were alive? They were all honored mostly after they died. They were persecuted while they were alive. And then after they passed away, the, the, the children of Israel looked back and went, Oh, Nehemiah, he was amazing. Oh, Zechariah, that guy was really, really wise. Everything he said was going to come true, came true. But while he was alive, they were trying to kill him. And it's interesting how impatient we grow with people when we try to tell them the truth and they ignore us. James is saying, don't be offended when people reject the truth. Don't take it personal. Here's the most important part of that. Don't use it as a reason to stop speaking the truth. So many people come to this place and they're like, man, they don't even believe me. I'm just going to stop telling the truth. James 5.10 says, For example, of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look to the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. Like, this this is how we wait. This is how we show patience, is that we speak the truth in love, even when it's unpopular. And then he says this about patience. When is patience an act of faith? He says, when your pain is not just unbearable, but it's unexplainable. I don't know if you know the story of Job. Job um, is, the, is the first book ever penned in the scripture. Did you know that? Yeah, we always think it's Genesis, right? We always think it's Genesis and Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. But Job is literally the very first book written in scripture. And it's the story of this man who was faithfully devoted to God. Like, he lived his whole life just trying to honor God. And one day, Satan shows up in heaven, and he comes before the Lord, and uh, it's this kind of interesting story, because the Lord says, where have you been? And he says, I've been traveling uh, the earth to and fro, and uh, he says, I've been looking for someone who would be unfaithful. And then the Lord says, well, have you considered Job? I hope, I hope the Lord isn't in heaven right now going, hey, Satan, have you considered Paul? Right? I mean, in one sense, it's like, yes, may that be. On the other sense, he says, well, if I, was to punish, if I was to punish Job, that he would reject you. That he would reject you. And so on one day, on one day, 
earthquake happens, all of Job's children were killed because they were all having a meal together at, at one of the kids' house. On the very same day, a whole bunch of bandits came in and stole all of Job's livestock and then burned down all of his fields. And he lost everything. And his, his slaves, they scattered, and he was left with nothing. And even in that moment, his wife looked at him and said, I do not want, know why you serve the Lord. Why don't you curse him and die? And in one day, Job loses everything. He loses everything. And then you come to the end of Job chapter 36, or towards the end of Job chapter 36, and Job is sitting with his friends. And the verse says, God is greater than my understanding. See, there's this moment that I think that believers have to come to. When you look at your life, and you have no idea why it's going the way it's going. The circumstances that you have are beyond explanation. And there is a moment in a person's faith where just like Paul told Timothy that you have to fan the flame, that there is a moment in a person's faith where you have to come to the moment where you have to say, God is greater than my understanding. God is good all the time. If we were at a Baptist church, that would have been instant. God is good all the time. All the time. And so then there comes this moment, if God is good all the time, why is his timing so different than my timing? And you have to have this question that you ask, then how do I wait? What should I do while I'm waiting? Here's the very first thing you should do when you're waiting. Remember, God is in control. When you think you've lost control, never think that because you've lost control that God has lost control. You have to remember that God is still in control. In the first three verses of this section, the way that James encourages you to remember that God is in control, in the very first three verses of this section, James literally reminds the church that if you've forgotten that God is in control, you will remember that God is in control because the day of the Lord's return is imminent, that God is coming back. The way that we know that God is in control is the return of Christ. The way that we know that God is in control was the resurrection of Christ. The, the way that we fan the, uh, the, the, the flames of our faith is that we remember that God's in control. And the way that we look forward to God being in control is the return of Christ. God's return is the ultimate proof that God is in control. And so God's timing is not our timing, amen? And so God's timing requires patience, it requires prayer, and it requires persistence. God's timing requires patience, it requires prayer, and it requires persistence. Matthew 6 says, your father knows exactly what you need before you even ask. Some of you right now have been, have, you have a prayer that you've been praying, and sometimes it's just easy to give up on prayers when you don't see them happening. And I would say this morning, remember that God's timing is perfect. Keep praying, keep being persistent, and keep being patient. The second way that we wait is this, is we remember that God rewards patience. 
James 5.11 says, we give great honor to those who endure suffering. He's talking about the prophets. That the prophets, they didn't receive honor while they were alive, but you read scripture and all of a sudden you see that God is honoring the prophets. That, that they were patient. And although patience is hard, patience has its rewards. First of all, this. You want to you you build character? Learn to be patient. How many of you guys have ever acted before you should have? Right? Those moments where you're like, you just couldn't wait anymore, you couldn't wait anymore, you couldn't wait anymore, and so you made a move, and then pretty soon you're like, oh, geez, I screwed that up. Right? And so, so the key to patience is that patience builds character. It also, if you can find somebody who has learned to be patient, you will find somebody who generally makes good choices. Impatient people generally make poor choices. Nobody elbow anybody right now. Stay completely like in your zone. Like just stay right here, right? Like, all right, he's got you. He's got your number. Feels like the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now. Patience helps you from doing things you would regret. Proverbs says it this way. I I love Solomon and I love his wisdom in Proverbs. He says, even fools are thought wise when they keep their mouths shut. Amen. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Like, like, hey, you got anything to say? No. No. Good. Men, this is a good thing to learn when you're married. No. Amen. Come on, men. Amen. Amen. No. No, sweetheart. Mm -mm. No. mm -mm. Whatever you want to do. We're good. We're good. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I I love that piece. That's Paul, and he's writing to the church of Galatia, and he's saying, hey, don't give up. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on being good. Don't give up. Be patient. God will keep his promises. I love Andy Stanley's quote. I quoted it last week too. If I do what God says, I will receive what God promises. Let's say that together. If I do what God says, I will receive what God promises. It's such a powerful way to live. You see, patience is important because even if you're trying to do the right thing, Robert Booth in his staff meeting reminded us this week, the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. Trying to do the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. You know, I love this. And he says that as you're waiting patiently, remember that this is not the end of the story. You see, patience is about believing that God is in control. That when you're in the middle of your story and your story's not good and your story's full of pain, sometimes we think that that's our story. But the truth is, is that God's going to use everything for those that are in Christ Jesus for his kingdom, for those that are in Christ Jesus. He's going to use everything. He's going to use all of our story. And so when you're in the middle of your story and your story's full of pain, remember, this is not the end of the story. A delay is not denial. The problem with patience is this, is that most of us are in a hurry and we serve a God who's not. 
God's not in a hurry. God's going to bring all the things that pass at the right time. He's working all things to good for those that are in Christ Jesus. Everything is working towards the, towards the kingdom. You realize this? See, in 2022, it's kind of hard to believe that. Oftentimes, we look around our circumstances, and we kind of go, man, it just doesn't feel like God's in control. Let me give you a different perspective. When this was written, there were less than 20,000 believers in the entire planet. When this was written, the church had never even left Jerusalem. Like, James is the leader of the church of Jerusalem, and there are no other churches. When this was written, that the gospel had not been preached to all the world. Today, on every part of the planet, the gospel has been preached. Today, there's over a billion Christians following Jesus. On this particular Sunday, do you know why that as Christians, do you know why we gather on Sunday? People, are, people go, I don't know why you gather on Sunday. Saturday is actually the Sabbath. That's true. But Sunday is the day that Jesus was raised from the dead, and every Sunday we gather because every Sunday is Easter. And we believe this, while we're waiting, God is working. Some of you right now, man, you're in the middle of it, and you're like, I don't know how long I can wait. Don't forget, while you're waiting, God is working. While you're waiting, God is working. While you're waiting, God is working. Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. They are plans to give you a future and a hope. So let me ask you this question. Then how does a believer wait? How does a believer wait? You've got all these things in your heart that you're waiting on. You've got all these prayers in your life that you're praying. How does a believer wait? First of all, a believer waits like a farmer. We wait with expectation. We should believe, we should be waiting for God to move. So let me ask you this question. Do you expect God to do the things you need him to do? These prayers that you pray, these things that are in your heart, these things that are going on in your life, as you're waiting, do you believe that God's going to do them? You see, the farmer, he plants. And then you know what he does? He waits. But he doesn't wait like, hey, I threw, I threw some seed out, but nah, I'm not really expecting it to do anything. He doesn't come back a little bit later and go, whoa, it worked. Holy smokes. Now, he literally plants with expectation that what he planted is going to take place. Even when he doesn't see it moving, he knows it. Add some water, give it some sunshine, and just let God do his thing, and it's going to work. There's this passage, I think it's super fascinating. It's in John chapter 5, it's verse 6. Jesus is walking through this area. There's all these sick people, and he comes upon this one sick man. He looks at the man, and the question he asks him is fascinating. Hey, 
do you want to be healed? Now that's a fascinating question. Why would a sick man not want to be healed? And so then there comes this other thing. Does a sick man believe he can be healed? If you were standing in front of Jesus with whatever issue you have, would maybe Jesus say, do you, do you want me to heal that? Do you want me to fix that? Do you want me to take care of that? Because sometimes when we're sick, we say we want to be healed, but actually sickness has become our identity. We say we want to be healed. We say we don't want to be sick anymore, but in some ways it's become our story. And it's hard to let go of your story. It's hard to give up your story. Sometimes it's hard to give up your problems because your problems have become who you are. Not wanting to be sick doesn't always mean you want to be healed. Not wanting to be in a broken situation doesn't always mean you believe that you can be in a healthy one. They're not the same. You cannot want to be in a broken situation and still not believe that you'll ever be in a healthy one. And there's this moment for the Jesus and he's standing before this guy and he just asks the question, do you want to be healed? And the guy goes into this story and he says, but Lord, I can't be healed because every time the water moves, I'm too far away and I can't get there because nobody will help me. And Jesus goes, wait, that wasn't the question. Do you want to be healed? And finally, the guy stops making excuses and he goes, yes, Lord, I want to be healed. He goes, okay, pick up your mat, go home, you're healed. You see, what's hard for us is not hard for him. There's a Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. In a different version, it says, I have put my hope in his promises. I am counting on him. I believe in him. So in waiting, how am I preparing? I'm preparing like a prophet. I'm preparing without complaining. You see, as Christians, when we wait, when we prepare, we wait without complaining. We wait. We don't blame others. We don't complain about our situations. Oh, woe is me. We don't take out our pain and our problems on other people. Here's something interesting that I found out about this particular study. Did you know that when most women get mad? <laughs> Somebody just said all the time. No, no, no. When most women get mad, most women get mad at people. You're like, well, that's obvious. Actually, that's not true. When most men get mad, they get mad at things. They get mad at situations. Most women, when they get mad, they use their words on people. Most men, when they get mad, they use their anger on objects. They punch things, they slam things, they break things, they yell at things. And it's just this piece. It's not that women are worse than men or men are worse than women. Most men usually... Hit things, break things, throw things, punch things. Ladies mostly say things. 
And James is saying, you two have to be patient. You have to take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't complain about each other. Don't hurt each other in the process. And so then, then he's saying, and so how do we wait? We wait like Job. We wait with confidence. Because I believe in God. I have to believe that God believes in me. When you place your faith in God, you have to remember that God placed his faith in you. That God has faith in you. As you wait on him, you need to wait with faith and confidence because I believe God can. I also believe God will. It's a transfer in the way that we think. I don't just believe God can. When I'm waiting with faith, I also believe that God will. I, I, you know, I tell my story every now and then. A kid with epilepsy, um, three to 400 petty mal seizures every day. Every day. Every weekend, my mom took me to faith healers. Every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was at doctors. And she was going, God, I know that you want to heal my son. I know that you want to heal my son. I know that you want to heal my son. On a Sunday night in Dallas, Texas, at a Dwight Thompson evangelistic event, my mom takes me and runs runs me and says, hey, uh, Dwight Thompson, he's preaching across town. I'm in third grade. We come in late. We have friends there. We're sitting about eight rows back. The end of the service, he just looks out and goes, young man, stand up. I look over my shoulders because I think he's talking to another young man. He goes, no, no, I'm talking to you. I was so little that he had me stand on the chair so that people could see me. He goes, Lord just healed you of epilepsy. Here's what you need to know. I have never met him in my life. I didn't meet him before service and I didn't meet him after service, but God did meet me during service. And healed of epilepsy like that on a Sunday night. Because I believe God can, I also believe God will. My faith is in him. John 14, 14. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. Micah 7, 7. As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me. And my God certainly hears me. Job 14, 14. But I will wait for better times. Wait till this time of trouble has ended. In Psalms 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I'm going to invite our worship team to come out. And we're going to close with worship and When we're done with worship, we're going to head out to the patio for baptism because we have about 12 to 16 people, I'm not exactly sure where our number sits right now, that have said today they are placing their trust in Jesus. Before we get out of here, I'm going to ask um, uh, those that are on our ministry team and those that are on our elder board and those that are on our pastoral team that's available, if you would just help me pray for people. I believe that we are in this space in 2022 where our experiences don't always equal our faith. And sometimes we are just waiting to see God move. And I think Sunday mornings is a great place to say, God, I trust you. And so could I get ministry team or staff members and elder, elder boards, would you just come forward right now? And we're going to go into a last song. When we're done with service, your kids, we're gonna, are gonna, we're gonna, you're going to pick up your kids on the patio out there 
Well, we've got them out there filling them with sugar and everything right now. And uh, yeah, but I just want you to hang on. I want you to hold on. Rick Warren says this. He takes the word hope and he makes it an acronym. And he says, I believe that hope means holding on and patiently expecting. Holding on and patiently expecting. You see, when you start praying for patience, God often gives you opportunity. And sometimes when you're in the middle of needing patience, there's this really good rule that you apply. Before I lose my patience, will this matter in five minutes? Before I lose my patience, will this matter in five hours? Before I lose my patience, will this matter in five days? Before I really lose my patience, will this matter in five years? Before I lose my patience, will this matter to eternity? This, about three weeks ago, I had this conversation with somebody I'm very close to, and there was this thing that was going on in our lives, and it was very hurtful on my end. I felt very hurt by the situation, and I can just remember I just kept having conversations with my wife. This is my wife if we haven't met. And I just kept saying, sweetheart, I'm not going to respond very well to this. Like, this just keeps going on and on and on, and I'm about done. And she said, well, I think you need to pray about that a little more because that's what good wives do. So I was on a drive and I was driving down the road and I felt the Lord just say, are you willing to respond in such a way that it affects this person's eternity? Because you're hanging on to something earthly when you should keep your eyes on something eternal. And I was able to let it go. Yes, Lord. I care more, far more about their eternity than I do about my earthly circumstance. Some of you have some things you need to let go. Just let them go. It's not worth it. Just let them go. There's this kind of this girl movie that I watched with my wife not long ago. And there's this moment in there where she says, I just have to have five seconds of bravery. Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Five seconds of bravery. Not a lot of people responded. But I think probably there's a lot more people that would just say, Lord, I need, I need patience. I have a situation. I'm not asking you to get out of your seat. I'm, not, I'm just asking you to say, if that's you and you're just like, I've got a situation, I would take prayer for patience. Just raise your hand. Okay. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Now, you've got, some, you've got that situation that's in top of your mind right now. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you about it. Okay. Put it in your hands. Right here. You got it in your hands. Go ahead. Put your hands up. Okay. Lord, whatever that is, we give that to you. I just give it to you. Just, just right now, just give that to the Lord. Say, Lord, I just give this to you. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you said I can cast all of my burdens upon you. You said that you would take all of our problems, God. And so, Lord, this morning we give you those burdens. 
And Lord, in place of those reburdens, we are now taking hold of you. I want you to just close your hands now. I just want you to take hold of the Lord. Lord, I trust you. I trust you that you, that I can give you my burdens and that I can take hold of you and wait patiently upon you and know that you have good plans for my life. I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Okay, so here's what we got going on. If you're going to get baptized, meet us uh, as, as quickly as you can. Uh, meet us on the patio. And uh, if you're going to, we'd love for you to stick around with us and have some tacos and watch some people give their life to Jesus in baptism. Hey, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. If you find this tool valuable and would like to support this ministry, you can do so easily through our DTV app or on our website, dtvchurch.org forward slash give. God bless you and have a great rest of your week.